The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. The Cork footballers got their first National Football League points on the board on Saturday following a dogged, hard-fought draw with Clare at Porcaquive. At late, Brian Hurley, 45-yard screamer, Gave Keith Rickens' men a slender lead heading into injury time, but Clare fought back to deny Cork both of the points on offer. On today's show, we're chatting to Cork football legend Paul Kerrigan to review the opening two rounds of the league and to run the rule over the start of the Keith Rickon reign. Later, we'll hear from Irish hockey star David Hart, who has signed a new contract with Dutch side Kampong. David, who has more than 200 caps for Ireland, will also tell us about his exciting new role with FC Utrecht in the Dutch Eredivisie. But Kieran, let's start with the news that came out over the weekend, and that is that Castlehaven's Mark Collins is the latest West Cork man to step away from the Cork senior footballers for the season ahead. He's the seventh member of the Cork side that lost last year's Munster final to Kerry that won't be involved in any capacity with Keith Rickon's side this season. Yeah, and he's the eighth when you consider that Sean Poyton from Clannacilty has also stepped away this year and Sean wasn't part of the, the Cork match day panel for that um, that debacle down in Clarny last July. So yeah, that's a huge player drain from the Cork footballers. Um, eight players who aren't involved this year. That's a lot of experience got out the door. I, I think what Mark was probably probably in the offing um, that he was going to step away because a few weeks ago, Keith Ricken told the, the media that when he got the job that he had heard it indicated that Mark was going to step away for 2021. But Keith and Mark did talk, they did meet and Keith obviously wanted Mark Collins on board for the 2022 season. But after the draw against Clare last Saturday night, Keith Ricken confirmed that Mark will not be involved this year. And when you when you think that Mark Collins is turning, 20, turning 32, sorry, in a couple of weeks, you would have to think, and I, I don't want to write the man to close that close the chapter. He's in the county chapter, but you'd have to think that's the that's the last time we'll probably see Mark Collins in a Cork jersey. If if you're thinking he's going to be 30, 32 this month, um, he won't be there this season. I I can't see him coming back next year. So it feels like it's the end of Mark Collins with Cork. But what a career he he's had. He's been there, Jesus, 10, 11, 12 years now, um, and we we'll, we can chat about Mark Collins soon with with Paul Kerrigan. 
But I just think it's it's another blow for Cork football, Jack. It's another loss of an experienced player with Rory Dean not involved, with the Whites not involved, with Michael Hurley not there, Kevin O'Driscoll retired, Luke Connolly, uh, Kevin O'Donovan both gone as well from last year's panel. Like that's a it's it's leaving a, a, a gaping hole in terms of experience in the Cork football team right now. Yeah, Kieran, uh, three of the names you mentioned there, obviously massive losses in Luke Connolly, Mark Collins. And Rory Dean, because from a leadership perspective, those three men alone would have formed, you'd imagine, a core of what might be labelled a leadership group within that Cork senior panel mm-hmm. over the last number of seasons. And they're all gone now, along with the names you mentioned. So we know it's a rebuilding effort. And the rebuilding effort saw some shoots of optimism at the weekend because Keith Rickenside did get their first points on the board without the names we've discussed there so did you take anything from Park Equive on Saturday to give you a bit of confidence or is it still an over-reliance maybe on Brian Hurley who as I mentioned scored an absolute cracker <laughs> that may have been doing it at a, a overdoing it a little bit but he scored a goal from 45 minutes and again 45 minutes and again he looked like Cork's only real danger man it, it was better from Cork against Clare last Saturday night, all right, because um, that performance against Roscommon away the weekend before was very disjointed. And talking to a couple of reporters and people who were up there, there wasn't many, many green shoots for optimism from that Roscommon game. But in fairness, there was last Saturday night. Um, and to be fair to two, this is a clear team that doesn't fear Cork one bit whatsoever. We touched on it in last week's podcast. This clear team has beaten Cork more times than Cork has beaten Clare in the league in the last five or six years. So... Clare were coming down to Parky Cueve last Saturday night, fully confident in getting a win. They'd won their opening game against Offaly, so they were, they're, they're looking up this Clare team. They want to get up to Division 1. That, that's their target. Whereas Cork are in a different trajectory right now. And I think for Cork, Cork are looking down because Cork don't want to get relegated. I think a good league for Cork would be staying in Division 2. So you'd, you'd uh, two teams at different stages of their development clashing the last night. And you could see Clare's experience telling at certain points but then you could also see the enthusiasm and the energy of, of this young Cork side. And sometimes that enthusiasm leads to some silly mistakes. And there was turnovers that, that cost Cork and they did a few bad wides and they made a few bad decisions at, at certain times. But that's part of the, 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 the process and the learning development of this Cork team. Um, look, looking at the positives, Brian Hurley got 1-4 and he was a top scorer for the fifth game in a row. It's good that Brian Hurley is in such good form at the start of the year, but already there seems to be an overdependence on Brian Hurley for scores because, like I said, there in the five games that's three in the McGrath Cup and two in the league, he's been the top scorer. So Cork need more from the other forwards. One of those young forwards is Blake Murphy from from St Vincent's, and he kicked three points in the first half, and he he was very lively. In fairness, um, he lined out at, at, at centre forward. He did quite well. Faded a bit in the second half, all right, but that first half performance by him suggests there is more to come from Blake Murphy. Then Donnie's Fionn Hurley came off the bench in the second half and he kicked two points. He kicked a point within 20 seconds of coming on um, and, and he looked dangerous. So that's another another um, scoring threat there. But again, the likes of Blake and, 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 and Fionn, they're very young. You know, kind of, you can't be putting too much pressure on those fellas so early and they need time, games to build experience at this level. Uh, I suppose that the character Cork showed is, is kind of quite impressive too because at one point they were they were um, three or four points down they were nine six down um, at half time I think it was and they got it back to ten points apiece after fifty minutes 
And even when Clare got the penalty from Keelan Sexton with 10 minutes to go, it looked like, Jesus, this could be curtains for Cork if Clare kick on. But in fairness, Cork came back, albeit helped by that fortuitous Brian Hurley goal. Um, for the Clare, we have nightmares over that. Fortuitous. I think, I think he meant it. I think he was shooting. So, so, so Brian was aiming for that spot in between um, the Clare players' hands as he dropped the ball into the net. But do you know what? Cork will take it. And it was a bit, it was a bit of luck. And that put Cork two points up down the home stretch. Um, but Clare came back and they tagged the last two points to, to earn the draw. But what, what was another positive I thought the last night was the Cork fans who stayed on. Um, the Cork fans who stayed on. Because this was a doubleheader. The Cork hurlers beat Clare well in, in the first game. And then it was Cork and Clare in the football after but there was a noticeable exodus after the the hurlers um, the hurlers game, and okay, some people are hurling fans, they're not football fans. It was a Arctic cold night up there. It was miserable. It was wet, um, but still, this young Cork football team needs support, and those fans who st- did stay on, they got value for money because that second game was far more entertaining than the first game. It went right down to the wire, and that last ten minutes when the when the, the there was a seesaw, the lead was declared, and Cork came back. Then, 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 um, then Claire came back. There was noise there, and it was great to see the Cork support, the home support, getting behind this young team. And that's one of the one of the noises or images that will stick with me from that. And I think the this Cork football team, and we've said it a lot in this podcast the last couple of weeks. It's the start of a long journey. It's the start of a huge rebuild, but they need support, and they need the Cork fans behind them. Yeah, absolutely, Kieran. Well, let's speak then now to a man who knows all about winning in a Cork jersey and who also knows about the struggles of playing football for Cork too and that's 2010 All-Ireland winner Paul Kerrigan who you spoke to a little earlier on Cork boss Keith Rickon confirmed last Saturday night after the Dragons cleared that we won't see Mark Collins in Cork colours this season and whether it's the last we see Mark Collins in a Cork jersey or not we're not too sure because Mark himself hasn't confirmed whether he has officially retired from inter-county football. But it it feels like this might be the last we've seen of him. So we're delighted to be joined on the podcast this week by former Cork footballer Paul Kerrigan to chat a small bit about Mark Collins and Cork football as well. Uh, you played with Mark for Cork and you played against him for Demo against Castlehaven. So, Paul, you can appreciate just how good a footballer Mark Collins is. Yeah, um, I think Mark came on our senior panel was either 2011 or 2012. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure which year, but uh, yeah, he was knocking around then himself in Barrow Driscoll, but he came on, let's say, out of the under 21s, and, and they were kind of coming, coming on close to the team um, to a really good car team. So, yeah, I've played with him an awful lot. Um, I, I think he was vice captain as well when I was captain. So, a really good guy, um, has played a variety of roles for Cork. Always been a fellow they've looked towards. Um, and I think they could definitely do them this year, to be honest with you. <laughs> nearly, nearly more so just from a leadership point of view and a bit of guidance. But uh, look, he, he's been through a decade, really, of of hardship, a lot of it. Do you know what I mean? So it's no harm from step away. And you're right, like, just I think he's the Haven's main man. I know they have Damien Callan and the other Callans and Brian Hurley, but he's the fella that makes him tick around the middle. And to be fair, like, I, I think definitely in the club championship, he's probably been up there as one of the best players as well uh, in, the last, in the last eight to ten years. As a teammate over the years, Paul, he seems Mark, Mark seems like a dream teammate because he just does whatever role he's asked to do. And sometimes at intercounty level, he's almost sacrificed his own game to do what's best for the team. But when you think of Mark Collins as a footballer, what are the attributes that stand out for you? Yeah, I think he's been asked to do an awful lot of the, the, the hard roles, the up and down. It's his, his engine, like he's supremely fit. Um, 
you know, he, he was actually, he's deceptively tall, like, you know, only when you meet him, like he played in the field an awful lot for the club and um, definitely his, his engine and his his kick passing, you know, um, his right leg, the inside of the right boot, he was kind of our best, let's say, dink passer, as you would say, a fellow he'd looked at there. Um, probably never, I thought his best position was centre forward, but probably never got really enough of that with Cork. He was probably always needed on the wing to probably use his engine to get up and down to be a kick-out option and to be a link player. Um, so, yeah, he's played anywhere, everywhere, really, for Cork, you know, um, and like like he said, he's always been a, a guy we've looked at to get on the ball, and to be fair to him as well, another afterwards, he's never shied away from getting on the ball and wanting to make things tick, you know, he's, um, we probably never had really a whole pile of kick passers with Cork, you know, and he, he was a guy who always wanted to kick first, even though he, he was well able to get up and down the field. Cork's loss will be Castlehaven's game. You think Michael Hurley is not involved with Cork either this season. That's Mark Collins and Michael Hurley who will be fully focused on the Haven. So um, even though it might be the last you see Mark in Cork colours, you probably come up against him in Haven colours still, Paul. Yeah, like that's the way that you look at it now. Like you don't have a few of the clan lads aren't there and let's say Luke Connolly's gone back to Nemo. So the, the Keller Shield League could be fairly interesting, you know, um, when it kicks off next year. So um, it's hard to see, like I suppose Mark has been captain for the Haven and he's lost, let's say, to the last two county championships ourselves in a final and the Bears in the semi-final. So, look, he might feel like they're they're fairly close there and um, has given enough to Cork and maybe want to give it all and get over line and Captain Dave into a county. You mentioned there a couple of the fellas who, for one reason or another, aren't involved with the with the Cork senior football panel this year. So we have Mark Collins and Michael Hurley. We have the Sean White and Mark White from Clannacilty, Rory Dean from Bentry, Luke Connolly of your own club. Kevin Crowley's not there either. And I know Kevin O'Driscoll from Ty McCorrig retired um, late last year. So that's seven of the Cork panel that played against Kerry in last year's Munster final. And it's eight when you consider Sean White because he wasn't involved that day. Are you surprised yourself that so many of those experienced fellas aren't involved with Cork this season? Yeah, um, I suppose. Uh, I remember I spoke to Keith before Christmas and he, he was kind of, I'd say it in his head that he's very much going to be looking to look to the future. And we can see that with the teams that have lined out in the National League and the McGrath Cup, um, for different reasons, maybe guys haven't committed themselves for other reasons, maybe guys might have retired, you know, so, um, and other guys might, mightn't have been their choice to give up, but that's just the way inter-county is, you know, so, um, yeah, I think it'd be no harm to have a few older heads, I'd say that's why they were kind of after Mark, you know, um, just to, to help them there, as you said, I think John O'Rourke and Brian Hurley are the two oldest, so, and they're still, I suppose, 30 this year, maybe, so, um, yeah, to, 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 um, it might be no harm to ha- had a few of the lads. Um, I suppose we were talking at the Cork game at the weekend. Like I remember Conor Coonan's first year, he he'd a lot of us from the under-21, but there was definitely some really good guys like Conor McCarthy and Kevin McMahon and Sean O'Brien and, and Kevin O'Sullivan from Ireland. These lads were still there, you know what I mean? Like there, there wasn't a massive clear-out and they might have they might have finished up themselves in the next year or two. So it's, it's always no harm to have a few older fellas, I suppose, but like... You're probably looking at the likes of Ian McGuire now. We'll come back into the squad, you know, and there's a few lads out with injury, so who played a played a couple of games of Cork, so they, they'll need them. To, to answer, they, they need everyone. Draw the young squad. They, they really need to be as strong as they can from every week in the league. Just to touch on that for a second, Holly O'Sullivan's writing in his Southern Star column this Thursday about how this almost feels a bit like 2013 when the likes of Graham Canty, Fadi Kassan, Noel Leary, Pearson Neal, they all have up their, their inter-county boots within a couple of weeks or months of each other. And it almost feels like that now when there's so many kind of experienced people not involved. But you know yourself, Paul, about the importance of having experienced fellas in that Cork panel to, to show these young fellas the ropes. That's why the likes of... Ian McGuire, like you mentioned there, Brian Hurley, John O'Rourke, their fellas who've been around the Cork senior setup for a good few years. Like their their role and their seniority now is more important than ever. Yeah, um, it is the same in one way, I suppose. When when the lads Pearson, Paddy Cassan, and, and these lads finished up, 
I suppose they did won everything in the game in, individually and collectively Ross. But um, and I suppose a lot of the guys know who finished up. Some of them didn't really win any medal with Cork, and that's tough going. You know what I mean? So. I don't know, maybe from a mentality rebuilding, they just need to look at, they're looking at guys who are really, really young um, and just looking at the squad and especially looking at their next two games at the Derry and Galway, like, I think staying up will be a really good achievement if they can do it, you know, you know what I mean? I suppose they got unlucky in one way that the Bears fellas weren't available to them for the first two games, so that's a few good players missing as well. Um, but you, you'd hopefully they'd come back now and guys like Kahalamani and then we'll start coming back from injury and, and like, just try to pick up points um, along the way because their last two games are really important in the league, sort of with Dolan Affleck. It, Rick, and hasn't shied away from the fact that this is a big rebuild. It's a, it's a long-term project, he, he said as well. And you can see that with the teams that he's named in the McGrath Cup and, and the first two two games of the league. Are you surprised yourself that it's as big a rebuild as it is? Yeah, I didn't think like he'd, he'd go that young, but he is. like, And I think there was five or six changes from the Roscommon game to the Clare game, you know what I mean? So there's, there's plenty of guys getting a chance. Um, and I suppose he's looked at fellas in the club championship as well and given them a goal like like Roy McGuire from the Haven. always done very well, I think since he's come in this year, like he gave Joe Grimes a go, you know, from Clan. Um, and so there's guys getting chances who, who put their hand up in, in their club, respective club championships. I and mean, you, you kind of want that too. Um, but it is a massive rebuild, I think. Like you're looking at, to me, Sean Meehan and Liam O'Donovan like would be three and six in that team, you know what I mean? And that might free up Sean Powder and you'd have McGuire midfield. Like they're three, that's the spine of your team missing, you know what I mean, with, with Liam, Sean and, and Ian. So, um it is a bit of a rebuild and they're just going to have to find someone up front. Like, I'd say it'll take a few games now before he finds his settled forward line for championship. You know what I mean? We saw, she's like, even like Mark Cronin started the first and then Sean Hurley came on and done really well. So, look, it'll, t- it'll take a couple of games, I suppose, to find out um, what everyone's made of, really, I suppose, you know, and, and, and he'll, he'll get his opinions from that. Was the current state in the league is Cork lost the opener to Roscommon, but drew against Clare one thirteen at Peace and Parky Creeve on Saturday night, and that was a better performance in fairness to the fairness to Cork and, and they showed character against an experienced Cork team. Were you and Parky Creeve yourself on Saturday night, and what did you make of the performance? Yeah, I was. Um, geez, they started very well against the wind. Uh, Cork in fairness to Blake Murphy kicked three points in the first half, you know, and um, it, it's it's a bit obvious they're a bit reliant on Brian to lead the line inside. You know what I mean, like. Um, Kind of looking for one or two fellas maybe to take take that off, that kind of responsibility off him and a little bit more you know but um I thought Colin O'Callaghan battled away in fairness him in the first half when the kickouts were going along um because he was up against two really big men you know Darren O'Neill especially from Clare is, is, is a bit of a monster uh, and then I thought in the second half like as I said Fionn Hurley and Mark Cronin came on they kicked scores I think three points between them but then they showed a good bit of character at the end I know they got far shoes with the goal but like um Everyone going around the park on Saturday saying, oh, Jesus, this is a big game, this is a big game, they had to win. But look, they got a point out of it, you know what I mean? Um, so, look, um, it's important to go into the next two games with something, you know what I mean? I thought they're always going to be up against in Ross Common. Um, I thought the clear game would be one they, they could win and they possibly should have, but look, they have a point. But, um, yeah, look, it's just, it's they're, they're really young, I think, and um, they're, they're just learning as they're going. And the one thing I got, I was kind of close to the pitch side for a bit of it, Anytime they went backwards with the ball or sideways, Keith was on to him to go forward. He's really, really letting him have it. So he wants them to push on. He wants them to attack. So I think that's a good sign too, you know, and hopefully they'll, they can take that on. They'll get two weeks of training now before the Galway game. So hopefully we'll see a bit of an improvement there again. Or the Derry yeah. game, I think it is. Sorry. Yeah, Derry's next up. Away to Derry, they think it's home yeah. to Galway. So they're, they're, they're two very tough games. And then it's it's Mead away down at home and Offaly, um, Offaly away then. So this this point against Clare could actually be quite valuable come the, come the business end of the league. 
yeah, it could be like in fairness, some Clare, like everyone always seems to write them off, but they'll always be they're always kind of to the top half of the league. It seems to be Derry and Galway are the two favourites to go up at the moment, and then obviously I think Offaly and Down and Mead, Mead surprisingly are struggling as well. You know what I mean? So like it was only a few years ago as well we went to uh, to Navin and and won up there. You know what I mean? So a lot of the lads look, it's a place they could go and possibly take a point because everything doesn't seem uh, seem seem right up there. You know so. You're right, an important point. Um, it'd be great if you get something out of the next two games. I don't think they'll fare Galway a whole pile at home. You know what I mean? Um, but I think the Derry one could be a tough one as well. It's a long journey and very defensive kind of setup to, to break down, you know. Um, we're kind of an inexperienced team doing that. I think they could struggle a bit going up there. But um, like it's against a place we've won in, in the not too recent past, but a different management setup. So the next two one will really test them now. Do you know what I mean? Hopefully over the next couple of games too, like you mentioned earlier, that, that more will step up in, in the attack. I was looking at the, the Cork stats there for the five games so far, the three in the McGrath Cup and the two in the league. And Brian Hurley has been top scorer in every game and, and by a distance. And um, it, it's so important, Paul, isn't it, that, that other fellas started chipping with scores. Like you said, Dick Murphy burned over three good points in the first half the last day. OK, he faded a bit in the second half, but then when Hurley came off the bench, kicked two good points as well. So Cork need more of that. They, they need more from other players just to give Brian a bit of support up, up front. Yeah, and like the, the, the better teams, like they, they'll suss that out. They'll put a fill in front of Brian as well. You know what I mean? And they'll, they'll maybe take take their take their chances and try leave the other forwards beat them and try shut Brian out. You know what I mean? So, and um, you're right. Um, like maybe like there's guys just trying to put their hand up and just maybe trying to get into the team. Um, but uh, I think Kahloman, if he was back, would help that. You know what I mean? I think he definitely would. Um, and then, like you're, you're hoping then a couple more of them can step up. Um, like as you said, there's Fionn and Fionn and Blake showed flashes, but I, I, I don't think flashes will be enough. You know what I mean? They should be really looking to lay down a marker consistently every week. Quick word on Sean Powder. I thought he was immense again the last day, like really driving Cork forward. He's going to be such an important figure for Keith Ricken. Absolutely, he was. I thought he was kind of man of the match, really, from the car point view. Um, few big hits, few big carries, blocked down. Um, I'd love to see him kind of on the wing to be honest with you I think like if you had a half back line of himself Liam Donovan a fit um, and Matty Taylor I think you'd be going a long way there you know what I mean um, really strong fit guys um, uh, and I think that like that could be that could be a good kind of um, platform for them to, to go from if that was the half back line so you're right he was I think Brian and in fairness to Powder Brian Hurley and Powder are, are the two lads they're, they're really kind of stepping up and carrying the lads at the moment you know what would constitute a good season for Cork football, given, like we've said now a couple of times, big rebuild is just underway. It, it, it's the first first steps in what is probably going to be a long journey. So what would be a good season for Cork in terms of the league and championship? Yeah, I, I suppose before the league, I would have, like, guys might have heard, said, oh, they need to go up or whatever. I would have said, like, consolidating themselves in mid-table in Division 2 would have been a really good start and finding a new cup, few players. I think more so than ever, young lads are getting a chance, so you will find a good few players out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you can find a couple of guys that step up, like Sean Meehan did in the last couple of years, you know, those kind of guys, um, I think it would be really useful. Um, like, And then I think going into the Monster Championship, I think the fact that St. Park you're in gives them a, a bit more of a realistic chance, you know what I mean? And um, if they could anywhere could anywhere close to that quarter-final stage like, and just get a big big game in Crow Park, I think, uh, under a belt, I think would be really good from to be honest with you. Um, and just, we'd like to see just the foundations come true, like good, good S&C, good organisation, you know, so they're in a good place um, come, come next year, because they are really young, like you're, like you said at the start, I, I didn't think it'd be this much of a rebuild, but he said it straight away, he said it's going to be three, four years, so um, 
like they might take a few knocks on the way, but look, hopefully um, by this time next year, they should be in a really good place, hopefully. In fairness to Rick, and like you said, he hasn't shied away from the fact that he said it's, it's a big grievance and, and patience is needed right now from Cork fans and Cork fans are needed right now for this team. And I thought what was encouraging the last day, the last 10 minutes when the game was was in the melting pot and down the stretch, like you could really hear the Cork fans get behind this young Cork team and, and this Cork football team needs that. They need the support of Cork fans just to, just to help them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, like the the Cork su- football support base mightn't be huge comparison to other sports, but I always found they were really good supporters. You know what I mean? It is only when you go up the country to these league games and, and away games you you actually kind of get to know them. You know what I mean? And as I was watching the game myself the last, and, and you're only meeting them now for I'm finished up playing. So I uh, do have a serious base in fairness, and like I was with my father and, and there was older lads coming up to him, and they used to be going to the games when he was playing. Like so, they have a real good base, and like I think. They have to give them time. Like I think people have to realise we're a little bit off the top where we were maybe ten years ago. So, um, and we just have to get those building blocks in place. Um, I think we have a good solid one. We've won a minor one of twenties in recent times, and um, we have Aidan O'Connell in, in as our head of performance. Now we just need to get those building blocks right. So we're there for a prolonged period of time, whether it happens in the next two or three years, and we just keep it going from there. And before I let you go, I have to ask you about the county championships. The draw is on this week. Um, it's going to be a brilliant print for senior football championship this year with the likes of the Bears, um, Nemo, Castlehaven, Clannock Kilty. They'll be looking to to go one step further. Are you looking forward to to, to tying up the laces and getting going again? Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of looking forward to a bit of normality as well. You know what I mean? We're back pre-season and we have we know we're going to play in football league games every two weeks. You know, um, I, I challenge you, I found that tough enough going the last couple of years. Maybe it might have been a factor that, like Mark, might have found that uncertainty himself a reason to pack it in. And now he's a set season, I suppose, with Castlehaven, you know, and you can plan around it. So I'm looking forward to that. I think the leagues are well enough set up now, um, and the draw is going to be very tough. I think since they've reduced it to 12, it's gotten competitive and it's going to get even more competitive over the next two years. Like you look at Aero who come up, who came, who came up, they'll probably fancy their chance to get into a final at this stage, you know, and. I saw Mallow play twice last year. We played against him in a friendly and I thought they were really impressive. I don't think they'll be going down anytime soon, you know what I mean? So I think there's nine or ten really good teams there and uh, the way the seedings have been set out, um, you could have at least probably, you could have two fucking groups of death. Do you know the way things are going after one? So yeah, it's been ex- exciting times on the, the club football front. Thank, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Paul. No doubt we'll catch up again during the season. You're welcome. Thanks. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Friend of the show and Irish hockey legend, David Hart has just signed a new contract with Dutch side Kampong. David, who's more than 200 caps in his Ireland career, has also just started an exciting new role with Dutch professional football side FC Utrecht. And Kieran, you've been speaking to David about these new developments in his career. Yeah, great to hear from David Hart now. Like you said, he's a friend of the show. We've, we've had him on before and it's a busy time for David on and off the field. On, on the field, he's back in action after suffering a really bad injury while playing for his club Kang Pong last year. And I think that put in the back of his mind about a plan B for what life after hockey will look like. And that also feeds into our chat because he's starting quite a, an exciting chapter of his career quite soon. He's got a job with FC Utrecht, um, a well-known professional uh, football team over. So he's, 
he's he's thinking outside the box and he's thinking about life after hockey. So um, he's that coming up. And as well as that, he's still playing hockey and he's still one of the, the top goalkeepers in the business. We can't forget, Jack, that David was twice voted the best men's hockey goalkeeper in the world. Like that, that's some accolade. Um, he's over 225 caps and counting for Ireland. And hopefully we'll, we'll see him back for the for the green machine again this year. So there's a lot coming up from our chat with David. And we also had a rogue cat, Jack, come into our conversation. I'm not sure have you ever been in the Netherlands, um, but I've never seen a cat walk across a man's lap in a, on a live podcast in a Dutch cafe before. So it, it's a first for everything. But as, as David tells us, cats are very much part of the culture over there. We're joined now on the podcast by Hockey Royalty and all the way from the Netherlands, David Hart is with us. Good morning, David. How are you? Not too bad at all, Karen. Thanks for having me on. No bother at all. And thanks for, for joining us. Uh, we've so much to discuss. But I just want to start off because I saw recently signed a new contract with SV Kampong over in the Netherlands. And you've been there 10 years already. Can you can you believe that you've been, been there for 10 years? Um, no, actually, uh, the whole cliche expression of time flying. And that's what it has been, you know, um, 10 seasons in and then signed for an extra two. was something that I would have never imagined or even dreamt of as a young fella heading over to play in Holland, you know, taking one one year at a time and hopefully being able to grind out some uh, contracts and some good performances to get kept on over here and yeah. two seasons at the first club where myself and my brother Connor played SCHC and then moved to Kampong like you said and um, yeah looking looking forward to the to the coming seasons but uh, a big second half of the season to come which starts on the 6th of March for us now and uh, hopefully head towards the playoffs in May time. To secure that new contract you said there it's for two years is that almost a a relief in some ways to have that security to know that you're going to be there for another two years at least. Uh, massively so yeah um, I think any sports person in particular who's heading towards uh, you know early 30s and, and creeping upwards that you're, you're understanding and you're realizing that potentially that you know the end might be closer than obviously the start was um, and I think in, in one way it, it's very comforting to know that the club give you that, respor- that respect and that trust in you to actually continue on playing um, I had a bad injury last season um, actually during the final of the Dutch playoffs over here live on Dutch TV. It wasn't great time and during a penalty shootout. I ruptured my hamstring. Um, it was a 19 centimetre rupture, so the whole hamstring came apart more or less. Um, one of the worst injuries, the worst injury I've ever had um, to date and it was really staring the, into a bit of a a difficult place in, in, in my sporting career. Not sure would I be able to come back or how, how long it would take me. And it took me about to six months and I was able to do so and thankfully to the support of family, friends um, and the, the physios at my club were, were phenomenal. The medical staff was able to come back and play the last four season, four matches of the first half of the season, which was just, uh, was just brilliant. That sounds like quite a serious hamstring injury. Did you say it was 19 centimetres off? Yeah, it had kind of, you know, retracted off the leg as well and then the leg. So um, I think um, it happened during the second shootout. Um, I did it when I did the splits and then I knew something didn't feel right straight away, but I tried to go and do a third one and I went and did the third one. And I think after I did it, they said that's where they also received a bit of a, of a second rupture in the, in the lower part of the leg. So I don't think I have any regrets at the same time. I would have done it again. And when you got that news in and you were realising, OK, I'm facing a good couple of months out, how was that like? Terrifying, to be honest with you. I remember speaking with the uh, orthopedic surgeon. First question was, is this career ending? And he reassured me straight away. Um, the doctor I went to see in Amsterdam was, was phenomenal. 
he had seen actually Paul Pogba, I think, a couple of years ago. So I knew that I was going to the right man in terms of these kind of injuries and he put my mind at ease. So he did. And then that road to recovery. So that was around last May, I think. Was it May 2021? It was. Yeah, it certainly was. Yeah, it was uh, the second week in May. And so from, from May, so to when you got back on, on, on the pitch, for what were those couple of months like, I presume, for... For a player, like it's so frustrating because all you want to, want to be is out on that pitch helping your club and obviously lining out for Ireland as well. And you're there focusing on your rehab. So, even though you're, you're such an experienced player and you've been there, done that, you've seen an awful lot, was it still just very frustrating to wrap your head around those early couple of months? Definitely was because I'd never been there before, really, with an injury of that nature. You know, we've all had some knocks and needles where you have to take a, a week or two out here or there, but the length of it, you know, half a year. Um, yeah, it was very, uh, very disappointing, of course, with the, with the news. But then I knew I set myself a target. I said, I'm just going to go all or nothing for it. I said, listen, I'm all in. I want to go and do this recovery. So I put that mindset in and it put a positive spin on it. And I was almost busy every single day of the week. My wife can probably testify to that, unfortunately, um, throughout the whole summer, which is probably one of the hardest periods because you're at the hockey club, you're going to the physios, but none of your teammates are there, you know. They're in, uh, some of them are involved in the national team preparing for the Tokyo Olympics, some are on holidays, and so you're really just by yourself, just got your headphones in like I do now and just put the head down and just had to get the, uh, the rehab done. At times it was tedious, and it felt like slow torture, but it just needed to be done. Uh, and then read the rewards, being able to come back. And as my physicist kind of said to me, they didn't expect me to be back so quickly. So that was obviously something that I had in my mind. I set myself a target that I wanted to come back and do it. And sure, even when I went over to Tokyo myself um, for the IOC Athletes Commission elections, I found myself in the gym over there in the Athletes Commission um, or in the Athletes Village. And sure, if you're if you're not motivated, being surrounded by the world's best athletes, then you never will be. And uh, that was also a good moment to give me a bit of an extra boost and an extra incentive. And when you do actually get back on the pitch in to play competitively again, and how was that feeling like for you? Uh, I tell you what, it kind of made you really appreciate and realise just how much I love the game and still do and have the passion for it. Um, we played a, a big enough rival, the team called HCC, and, and managed to, uh, to win the game 2-0. So keeping a clean sheet for me was just yeah, brilliant. It was a home game. My wife, my daughter came onto the pitch afterwards. There's a picture of me. It was absolutely lashing rain. Uh, wouldn't have it any other way, of course. And it was just really uh, it's a phenomenal feeling. Oh, that's brilliant. And you mentioned there about the second half of the season. The shape up is a pretty big one for you. Where do, where do you feature in the various competitions? Um, currently, we're sitting second in the league um, behind our rivals of the last five or six years, a team called Blumenthal. Um, and in yeah. April time at Easter, we'll be playing in the Euro Hockey League, basically the Champions League um, for hockey in Europe. And we'll be taking on the former German champions. So that'll be a tough old draw. And then if we win that, I think we go on to play another German side. So um, it'll be a, a rough enough route if we want to get try to get through it and get through to the finals. But we have certainly our eyes set on uh, going far in that tournament. Very busy second after season coming up. And we were speaking before we started recording here that you're you're starting a, a new position uh, in a couple of months as well with FC Utrecht in the, the football side of things. So tell us a small bit more about that. Um, actually, it's like the actual stadium and, and where it is, it's, it's five minutes from my house. Uh, I pass it every day. I cycle to the club at uh, Kampong. It's just across the road from it. Um, you see all the training pitches. You can see the stadium. Funny enough story, actually, my first season over here, I went to watch an FC Utrecht game. They were in the Europa League and they played against Liverpool. Now, it might have been a 0-0, but it was an amazing experience. And uh, I always found that kind of side of things to have a professional stadium that's so close to 
where I was living, where I was staying, and the fact that they're doing quite well as well. I think they're only fourth or fifth in the in the table over here behind the likes of Ajax and PSV and Feyenoord and all those big teams. And they're really trying to put a professional kind of spin on many things that they're doing. And uh, my role, I saw it popped up on their website and I just applied for it. I went through the interviewing process and um, was fortunate enough to find out last week that we got selected for it. And it's for the role of kind of a performance and education tutor to the youth academy for the under 16s, under 17s, and under 18s. Um, which has been great. I finished up my master's as well back in December and I knew I wanted to continue in the sporting world. And this to me seemed like a phenomenal opportunity. I couldn't say no to, to even try to put my name in the hat, which I did. Um, and to try also something outside the hockey world. And I think this would be this would be great to combine my, my teaching background as a PE teacher and other things I've been doing with the likes of the uh, organizations such as the World Academy of Sport, where we're looking into trying and making sure student athletes have both the great balance in their in their in their studies, but also in their performances on the pitch. And that's what I'll be looking at with these uh, young footballers now as well. That's fantastic. That that, that sounds fierce exciting because, like you said there, you're 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 your early thirties now. But I presume with hockey, it's the same as most sports. That like goalkeepers, there's a longer longevity to the goalkeeping career. But would you always have one eye on after you hang up your your, your gloves to what you'll do next? I I think so. Yeah, um, definitely. I think I was always a bit conscious of it as well. And I think that would have been also from back when I was 18 or 19, when I was in DCU studying the PE and biology course and I had the opportunity to come over here to play um, in a team down in Eindhoven called Aranya's Right. It was one of the first times that my dad put his foot down and said, listen, no, you're not going until you get that piece of paper and get your qualification. And it kind of resonated with me because there was two reasons for it. He goes, simply, close what if you have a bad injury? Uh, and kind of secondly, he didn't say it in these exact words, but what happens if you're not good enough? And I think that's what I'll try and bring towards these young footballers as well. When they're so close to you know, joining the, the men's the first soccer team and FCU, like, you know, be kind of proper professional contracts, take money for them. And they're so close with that, the, the under-18 side of things to try and get them to focus on doing also something uh, away from uh, away from soccer and make sure that they have also a plan B because, you know, the percentages of those who go from the youth academies up through to the senior squads are minimum, the small, small percentages of them. That's a very important message to get across, David, because in our, our podcast recently, we had Stephen McCarthy from Skibbereen on for a chat and he was a young fellow who left Skibbereen to go to Sunderland when he was 15 he two years with Sunderland, but he didn't make it over there. And he came back to Chris Cork in Ireland when he was 17 years old. And he said himself he struggled big time because he saw himself as a failure in terms of he didn't um, he didn't get the dream that he was chasing. But he chased a plan B at the moment. I was working with Newcastle United as a senior business executive. So he, he's someone like, like you were saying there, he knows the importance of having that plan B just in case that plan A doesn't work out. So that's, that's a very important message for, for young fellas to hear. But it's, it's almost getting them to hear that message is important because they have it in their head, I'm going to be a pro footballer. Yeah, and, and I think that's the mentality you need to have if you really want to succeed, you know, on a much smaller scale in terms of... Um, global sport of hockey behind soccer of course and the money that's in it and so that me myself personally also had the kind of tunnel vision of I'm going to be a professional hockey player and that was it and despite all the outside noise and external factors and people warning me off it and stuff and yeah you have to have a bit of that doggedness and a single-mindedness to go this is what I want to go and achieve um, but if I have the opportunity to work with these talented soccer players you know maybe have an impact or an influence and share some of my own experiences and knowledge that I've had from my own career and still having it and if I'm able to help one or two of them out of the, the 60 odd that I have under my uh, tutorship at the minute, then um, yeah, I think then I'll be pretty happy to be able to say I actually had made a difference in some of their young lives. 
Fantastic. And I think that role is kicking off in a couple of months and all the best with that. But I want to chat you too about more off the pitch activities that you're you're involved in. We saw um, the, the Olympic Council Athletes Commission last month. You're um, elected there and you're also elected onto the EOC Athletes Commission late last year as well. So talk to us first about your your passion for for um, for being involved in, in athletes um, off kind of away from the playing field. I'm very much of the opinion, Karen, that if you want something done, you do it yourself. And instead of being like a hurler on the ditch and only giving out or, you know, not actually giving a reason why something might work, I'll give you 10 reasons why it won't work. A lot of people that you meet across in the sporting world in particular, that, that kind of, that frustrates me a little bit. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to get involved. And I did so straight away after the Rio Olympics in 2016 to join the Olympic uh, Federation of Ireland Athletes Commission. Uh, and that came through my own kind of experiences in Rio, the, the highs and the lows that happened over there from also not just a sporting side of thing, but from also an organizational point of view that would hopefully that I'd have an, yeah, a bit of an impact on what athletes will go through in the Olympic Games and hopefully they'll never have to experience what we did. Um, I won't go into it too much further than that, of course, but I really just wanted to make sure that you have an influence on sharing the athlete's voice at the top table, you know, with, with the government level, with the sporting bodies like Sport Ireland, Sport Northern Ireland, um, the international federations as you go further field towards the European Olympic committees and just being able to say that, yeah, listen, I'm trying to make a difference and actually trying to put my hand up and say, yeah, I want to do something here. Because you're one of the, the returning members of the, athletes, the of the Irish Athletes Commission, along with Shane O'Connor, um, and I see there that, that there's some there's some big, I suppose, names involved in this commission that our our listeners will know of: Petty Barnes from Bex, from from boxing, Natalie Coyle from the modern pentathlon, and Sneetha Pospor and Claire Lamb from rowing, and at least Murphy, oh, yeah. of course, from sailing and Brendan Boyce from athletics. So your role will take you up to the Summer Olympics in 2024. So between now and then, what do you hope to achieve, David? Um, I think we'll obviously have a look back over the last five years that would stretch out from four to five years with Tokyo 2021 on what we wanted to do and achieve as an athletes commission. And to be honest, it was an absolute pleasure to be involved with the last commission. Um, you know, not only did we try and push for extra kind of say tax incentives towards um, athletes who are putting their lives on hold to represent their country, which was great. You know, you had opportunities to sit down with the sport ministers at, at the same table and listen, well, this is the voice of the Athletes Commission that we want shared and represented with yourselves. And we want you to, to listen to as well, of course. Um, as well as that, hosting numerous different forums um, through the OFI, we hosted the European Olympic Committee Athlete Commission and the, the, the forum there in Dublin back in, I think it was 2019, which was, was the first time ever that we did that. And it was brilliant to be able to combine both my roles on both sides, but obviously proud to have it brought to Dublin as well, which was great. Personally, I would have preferred it brought to Cork, but maybe that's for next time, Karen. Um, yeah. And at the same time, looking at it, you know, what we want to try achieve moving forward is to continue having, first of all, the, the, the main topics would be, okay, the last two years with the coronavirus, what is what has that kind of sparked throughout the world? I think the biggest debate about mental health and well-being and making sure that everybody, of course, we're just focusing on athletes, but has access to resources, you know, whether it's psychologists, whether it's um, mentors that you need to, to speak with, whether it's going on, on courses or classes that you need to take to, to make yourself more conscious and aware of the importance of, of being healthy uh, in, in your mind um, and then of course the other um, I would say consider basic things access to facilities and training and um, resources and the likes and I think that the, on the other side of it what you want to do at the end of that is to be basically able to say you can stand there 
tall, proud, and happy that you say you represented the voice of Irish uh, Olympic athletes. That's fantastic. Um, so there's so much going on, on and off the field. But looking back on the pitch again, would we see you in the Green of Ireland this year? Is that part of the plan? Um, I ho- yeah, I hope so. I'd love to return to international hockey, of course. I think the last proper cap game I played was back in 2019. You know, it was it was difficult watching the lads now. Um, kind of come up short in, in, in the shootouts there to qualify for the World Cup um, back in Wales, um, back in uh, the end of 2021. Uh, and of course, you know, would love to get back into the international arena again. So that would certainly be the plan. And the contract extension here kind of, you know, gives me that further incentive, you know, to go that I'll be training and playing at the highest level week in, week out again, at least for the coming two years anyway. And I would consider Paris 2024 would probably be the, the end of the road, definitely for myself be an incredible swan song um, all going well but before we let you go David like you said you've been holiday in, in the Netherlands now for 10 11 years or so and um, just as before we started recording a cat walked across your lap in the cafe that you're speaking in now so talk to me about life in the Netherlands how how different is it to I suppose the life here back home in, in West Cork and here we go that's the that's our cat um, is that a is that a normal occurrence in in, in Dutch cafes it is, yeah. In cafes and shops, you name it, an animal, very animal friendly. You can walk in and walk out. It doesn't necessarily have to be a guide dog that you have. You can just be your little fluffy terrier or your big Alsatian, whatever you want. Um, cats are often here in, in cafes and bars and, and restaurants, but more so you find it actually in the city centre, but down by the canals. Uh, and they do so as a kind of a rodent prevention. So you can you can look at it in two ways for those who don't like feelings or cats like this. You know, they're actually doing a, a good job in making sure that there's no little furry friends around those restaurants. That's it. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. No, thank you so much for joining us from all, all the way from, from, from the Netherlands this morning, David. Best to look in the in the weeks, months ahead. Like I said, you're a busy man on and off the pitch. So all the best for, for the for the year ahead. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Karen. It's great to catch up and chat to you again. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Lovely stuff. No, I'm just fucking tearing myself up with hoops in the first one. <clears throat> I did see, I was in um, Amsterdam not so long ago. There was a lot of cat cafes, all right. Yeah, because we were in Amsterdam before. I can't remember the cat the cafes, but at least we're saying on certain, on some Instagrams and places like that, there is cat cafes, where it's yeah. cafes for cats, is it? Well, like you can just go in and have your coffee or your tea as normal, but there are just cats living there and they'll just come and rub their up against your legs. I fucking hate cats. Like, so it's not, not for me. <laughs> Anything specific in this week's paper that I'll tee you up with? Um, we've, a, we've a double page interview with Aidan O'Rourke. He's the new Carberry GA chairman. Um, we have an interview with Melissa Duggan and the Cork panel was named this morning. So I could just do that very quickly. Just a couple of the, and then there's the county championship draws are on tonight. So we'll have them as well. So then the usual, usual bits and pieces. And (coughs) she's the vice captain, Melissa Duggan, is it? Melissa Duggan. Yeah. So we have an interview with her. Now, Kieran, before we wrap up this week's star sport podcast, we're going to quickly preview this week's Southern star sports section which features an interview with the Cork ladies footballers new vice captain 
Yeah, we have an interview with Donnie's Melissa Duggan, who you said, Jack, is the, the new vice captain of the Cork Ladies Senior Football Team for 2022. So it's a it's a good chat with Melissa, who's outlining her goals and targets for, for the year ahead. And just on that, the, the Cork Senior Football Panel for 2022 dropped on Tuesday morning. And the good news is there's a there's a lot of West Cork interest as well. And I'm just scanning down through the through the list of names here with Emma Spillane from Bantries in there, Anya Sullivan. Anya Sullivan and Clara Shea from Beira are both in there. Martino O'Brien from Clannacilty, who, who was the Cork captain last year. And we've Melissa Duggan from Donnie's. Three players from Kinsale make the panel. Orla Finn, Saivor Leary and Faye Ahern is a new face in there. Laura O'Mahony from O'Donovan Rasa. Libby Cobbinger from St. Columns is there as well. And I see the, the Kylie sisters, Dara and Emer from Valley Rovers are both in there. And then, obviously, the Moore Abbey contingent is, is quite strong as well. You've Mauro Callahan, Darren O'Sullivan, Kira O'Sullivan, Maeve O'Sullivan, Breed O'Sullivan, um, young Eddie Jack and Emer Mine. Uh, three players from Era Oak, Maeve Cahillan, Emma Cleary and Emer Skelly and much more beside that. We'll have the full panel in Thursday Southern Star. So the best of luck to the Cork ladies who kick off their National League campaign away to All-Ireland Champions Mead this weekend. And we can't forget what happened with these sides last clashed. It was the All-Ireland semi-final last year. Cork were five or six points up down the home stretch. Mead came back, they beat Cork and went on to win the All-Ireland title. So this will be a tasty encounter this weekend. Also, we have a big interview with the new Carberry GA chairman, Aidan O'Rourke. It's a two-page spread. It's Aidan's first interview since he became the new Carberry chairman. So we're asking him about the future of divisions, the future of the Carberry senior hurling and football divisional teams, the makeup of the junior championships this year after the, the new junior football grade was introduced last week and much more besides that. And he touches on the, the referee shortage in Carberry and what can be done. So that's well worth checking out for Carberry GA fans. And we have a lot of the usual besides that. And um, Holly O'Sullivan's column this week is quite good. And he's actually touching, Jack, on something we were talking about earlier, the player drain from the Cork senior football team. And he's liking it to 2013 when, in the matter of weeks or months, Cork lost Graham Canty, Nora Larry, Pierce O'Neill and Paddy Kassan. And he feels that that's a huge chunk of experience gone there. And he thinks that was the start of the downhill spiral for Cork football. So it's a really good column by Holly O'Sullivan, well worth checking out this Thursday. And we've a lot of the, the usual bits and pieces as well. And just to flag, we have a preview for Mount St. Michael, Ross Carberry, the secondary school there in Ross, who are in the Munster College's under-19B football final this Saturday in Mallow. I think it's a 12.30pm throw in there. So the best of luck to them. And also both Sacred Heart, Clannacilty and Skibbering Community School, their senior football teams have qualified for, for Munster Ladies College's football finals too. So there's there's an awful lot going on and it's a packed Southern star. And Jack, the last thing, we can't forget him, Jack Gower, our Winter Olympian, is in action in Beijing these days. So we have the latest from, from Jack. He was in the downhill and the Super G on Monday and Tuesday and he's a very busy couple of days coming up. So we've all the latest from our, our ski bariner. Lovely stuff, Kieran. That's all to come in Thursday's Southern Start, which will be in shops across West Cork and beyond from Thursday morning. But if you can't make it to the shops, you can always just subscribe online to our digital edition. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than €2 Euro per week.
Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week. If you enjoy these shows, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Slán